Okay, Chazaku Baruch Rabotai. I'm glad to be here. So, the topic for today that I I wanted to share with you some Divrei Torah is we're living in a very interesting generation where it's called a transitional generation that for close to 500 years generation after generation after the expulsion in Gerush Svarad there was a Masoret there was a tradition of Psak there was a tradition of how to follow Halakha in the Sephardic countries and particularly in Morocco and in the past generation or two people moved from country to country so they lost direction and there's all types of um, opinions that a person gets barraged with and they lose focus on what's really what really they're supposed to follow and then a person comes and tells him you know what your father was doing was wrong hey, he doesn't know what to say this person looks much more religious than him and so so on and so forth it evolves that there's a lot of confusion. So Baruch Hashem, you have a, a Hashuv Rav, Rabbi El Maleh, Hashem Yishmiru V'chayeu. You have all the questions of Halacha you can ask to him. I could do I, I can make as much trouble as I want to just take the airplane back to LA. But what I want to uh, what I want to present over here is the background and the history of what Moroccan halacha is based on. Not very interested in talking about cultural things that you could look in other places for. I'm speaking strictly from a halachic perspective, uh, a perspective that is very possible, obligates people to follow a certain path. There's a halacha called Altitosh Torah Mecha, that you're not supposed to deviate from your traditions. And, uh, and then we could speak about different particular minhagim, if people have a uh, if people have uh, questions, so let's start with the following: How is halacha based? How, how how what's the evolution of halacha? I'm going to give a very uh, a, a very brief overview on on how halacha uh, developed from the time of the Gemara. The Rishonim came, the, the different uh, medieval commentators, up until the year. Uh, 1450, a little later than that. That was the, that was the era of the Rishonim. There was the Rif, the Rambam, the, the Rashi, Tosfot. And they all recorded what they felt the Halakha was. Now, the Shulchan Aruch, at the end, the Bet Yosef, Rabbi Yosef Karo, at the end of that era, saw that there was a lot of different opinions, and nobody's gonna really know how to follow, so he picked three opinions, the Rif, the Rambam, and the Rosh. It's called Tre Migotelat, two out of three. And whoever those two out of the three follow, that's what the Halakha is like. And that Halakha became accepted among the Sfaradim. We'll see what the word Sfaradim means. Well, it's, it's also a confusion today, what it means. But 
This was the basis and the bedrock of halacha. Now, we are commonly, uh, uh, those who, who, uh, who uh, dabble in halacha understand that the Bet Yosef took the Rash, Rambam and, Ra, and Rif, because the Rif was from Spain and Morocco. Rambam was from Spain and Morocco as well, and uh, Egypt. And there was Faradim, and the Rif was Ashkenazi, so you have to even things out a little bit. Of course, you have the rush. I'm sorry, was Ashkenazi, so you have to even things out a little bit. Can't give them totally uh, control, but yeah, you know, you give 33 percent, and that that's going to be okay. But that, that doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make any sense. I, either everything's Faradi, or, or the truth is, is that the opposite is correct. The rush was much more the rav of the Sfaradim than the riff and the Rambam. So what happened was was that the Maharami Rotenberg was the was the Rav of the Rosh in Germany and they put him in prison and the Rosh knew that his turn was coming up, that they were gonna imprison him and, and were gonna lock him up. So he escaped to, to Spain. First he got to the north of Spain in an area called Catalonia, and there he met the Rajba, one of the great Rishonim. The Rajba and him learned for a week. The Rajba told him they need you in Castilia. Castilla was more in the in the in the south, south of, uh, of Spain, and that's where he was located. That's where he became the Rav in Castilla, and there there the Rosh had a tremendous influence on Psak Halacha by, by by the Sfaradim to a point that the uh, that the Abarbanel writes Harosh who Rabam shel Sfaradim, uh, Rav David ben Yechia was also one of the Rishonim writes Horatoni Shpata bechol Malchutahi. Rav, uh, uh, Rav, um, Rav Yitzchak Yisraeli, who was a Talmid of the Rosh, writes, which is Toledo, hence the name Rabbi, we have the Rabbi Toledano over here, that's the name of, uh, of, of, of Tulitula. He was very, very um, uh, recognized as the prime halachic authority in Sfarad. As a matter of fact, when we talk about Psak Halacha of Sfaradim, it's basically the Rosh and his students in Castilia. Who else was in Castilia at the time? The Ran, Rabbeinu Nisim, the Magid Mishneh, the son of the Rosh, of course, which is the Tur, who brings many times in the Tur, Minhag Sfarad. Which, as you'll see, this is a lot of times the Moroccan, uh, the Moroccan, the Turkish, and others follow Minagis Farad, which is not like Edut Mizrach a lot that 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 didn't go with this because Minagis Farad comes particularly from Castilia. Whereas, if you notice, the Bet Yosef doesn't follow the Rajba and the Ramban, although they were Sfaradim as well, but they're from Catalonia. As as a matter of fact, the Ramban writes in one place in the Sefer Milchamot Hashem. He, he writes, Sifrea Sfaradim ne'emanim alenu yoter. The Sfarim of the Sfaradim are known. So he considered himself more from Catalonia. Sfaradim was the Rosh, as I mentioned, the, 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 the Ran, the Abu Draham. Abu Draham as well was one of the Poskim, came from Castilia. So this was the background of the Halakha that was going on then. The Rambam was also very accepted in the Sephardic countries. The, there's one, one, uh, one sefer from Rav Yedidia Monsonega called Minchad Zikaron Klalim Aleph, who writes in the name, 
who writes that the Rambam was accepted in in uh, in Morocco and Harav uh, Rahman, the great Rabbi Rabbi Naim from uh, from Gibraltar in Silotu Chubot Rachamim Peshutim Choshen Mishpot Ilchot Savod Siman Aleph. He says at the beginning they accepted the Rambam. What it means is that the Rambam definitely had a heavy weight at the beginning, but evolved more, especially in Castilia, halachot like the Rosh. Okay, that's 1492, there was the great expulsion, Shnat Mizre, it was called by the Jews, the, the time where all the Jews were expelled from, from Spain. Some of them Turkey, some of them went to Algeria. Most of them, it's safe to say many, many of them, probably most of them, went to Morocco. 50,000 of them, according to the historians, went to Morocco. In the first couple of years, 30,000 of them already passed away in a plague. And uh, in, in Fez, they, they came mostly to the capital there at the time was Fez. <clears throat> and that's when the, uh, the evolution of Halakha really started taking shape, really started forming uh, into, into, into what we see today. What happened was, was that around this time, the Bet Yosef, who also visited Morocco, according to tradition, a few times, and he, and he, he, uh, he had the tradition of his Rav, the Mahari Berav, that was his Rav, who had this ruling that he gave over to him, you go out of the two out of the three, the Rif Rambam and the Rosh. Mahari Berav was from Morocco, was from Fez. It's very probable that the, this Klal was already, was already deep-rooted in Morocco, going after these two out of the three poskim. So when the Bet Yosef wrote his Sefer based on this ruling, so it was already, it was already quite accepted. So what happened was, and nobody knows exactly how to pinpoint at what point it exactly took place, but the Sfaradim and and I, I can't I can't say mainly, but particularly in Morocco, were of the pioneers by the Torah jury to accept the opinion of Marana Shulchan Aruch. I get very frustrated when I hear from people that they say, "Oh, did Moroccans also follow Maran?" And I look at them with wonder, and I and I say, and I tell them, they are the ones who were the originators of this of this shita. It could be in Turkey as well. Some of the great chachamim at that time in Eretz Israel, there was also some who also promoted this. But if you take a look at the writings of Rav Ovadia Yosef. He brings as sources that we accepted Maran from the great Moroccan Chachamim as his primary sources. The Mishpatut Zdaka Biakov, Biakovi Ben Sur, in, in, uh, Chelek Bet, Siman Hey, Kol Asher, the Mishpatut Zdaka Biakov has a famous saying. He says, before the acceptance of Shulchan Aruch, Kol we went wherever the Rosh tells us to go, wherever our head tells us, and it was, uh, it was a play on the words to say we follow the Rosh. But once Maran came along, we accepted Maran Afiruke Elef Poskim. And slowly but surely, more Rabbanim in their Psakim in the 1700s, and in the, for sure in the 1800s and the 1900s, but even before the 1700s, there's one Rav called Rabbi Shmuel Ibn Dinan. He's apparently the first one that gave, this is according to tradition, there are those who question it, who gave Smicha to Maran, and he also was 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 in the 1500s we're talking about, and he was one of the uh, 
one of the originators also that we follow, Maran Shulchan Aruch, and slowly but surely this became accepted and it became a uh, a known uh, a known fact that the opinion of the Shulchan Aruch of Maran Shulchan Aruch was the authoritative one. So when we speak about Sfaradim, it's mainly in, in Morocco, in Turkey as well, in uh, in 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 a uh, little bit in Algeria and Tunisia as well. Uh, in Syria, there was a few Migurashim who got to Syria, few Migurashim got to other places. But when you talk about Iraq, Iran, and 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 a little bit, that's called Edota Mizrach. So you say there's Edota Mizrach and the Sfaradim. You don't see the Sidurim say Le Edota Mizrach ve Sfaradim. And in truth, they're Rachok Mizrach le Ma'arav. Very different. Ma, uh, Ma'arav is Morocco. It's called Ma'arav Apnimi. The Chida calls it, and uh, and the Ira- Iraqis and Iranians didn't really have a uh, tradition of Maran uh, until much later. There was a dearth of Torah, the persecutions, whatever else, and un- until Rav Rav Abdullah Somech was taught from Tzadka Chutzin, who came from uh, Syria, and there the the Torah started growing much more until eventually the Ben Ishchai, which is quite recent, and and if you look at when so people tell me, is our opinion much different than the opinion of Rav Ovadia Yosef and others? So I answer them, as a matter of fact, the, uh, the, the um, philosophy, the shita of Rav Ovadia Yosef to endorse and promote Maran is a great reinforcement and favor to Moroccan Jewry because he is, he is uh, bringing back what, what we were the pioneers in and uh, there are some difference of opinions on customs that we'll go through now. But basically, the 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 bedrock of halacha is much closer. Rav Ovadia Yosef's opinion is much closer to Moroccan psak than, for example, Kafachaim or uh, those who follow the rulings of the Rashash. Much more. That's much. That's much closer to Moroccan psak. It's important to know. People get confused with this. Not to get caught up in the noise, try to really understand what the facts are on the ground and to learn, and to learn. That's, that, that's uh, you know, in a respectful manner, you could say whatever, all your different opinions, as long as everybody is respectful towards each other and understands, and, and understanding that every, every um, halakha comes from a source and every minha comes from a source. So what I tell people is the following. If you want to know the, the source of Moroccan halakha, how we're posek, you open up a Shulchan Aruch or a Mishnah Berura. So a lot of different opinions. How do we know what to follow? So I wrote together with a, a dear friend of mine, his name is Rabbi Yosef Peretz from Panama. We wrote together a, uh, a short booklet and it's printed in my new Sefer on Choshen Mishpat Maginavot. It's printed at the beginning over there. About, about uh, 20 or something different rules how the Moroccans are posek. I'm not going to go through all 20. I'm going to give you four or five of, of, uh, of, of, of basic rules. Those of you who are involved more in the learning of halakha will understand it a little bit more. And others who are not yet uh, involved in halakha, Rabbi Al-Maleh is willing to teach you day and night. He has time. I'll give you a cell phone number afterwards. You just have to bother him. to, uh, And he's uh, all hours of the night. And he, he will, uh, he will, uh, that's what he's here for, right, Rabbi? Kola Kavot, thank you. So, what we have over here is, is the following. 
Number one is that the Sfaradim, and when I say Sfaradim, I mean the Moroccans, particularly accepted upon ourselves the rulings of Marana Shulchan Aruch. Simple enough, right? Now, what does the rulings of the Shulchan Aruch mean? The Shulchan Aruch had a lot of Sfarim. He had the uh, Bet Yosef, which is the background. He had the actual Shulchan Aruch. Then he had uh, the Bedekabait, which is the glosses and the corrections on the Shulchan Aruch. After the Bedekabait, he had uh, the Kesef Mishde, his commentary on the Rambam. He had the Afkat Rochel, which is responsa. This is very confusing. This is probably the biggest difference between those who follow Moroccan halacha and the halacha based on Edut uh, HaMizrach uh, or Rav Avadi Yosef is that Rav Avadi Yosef was of the opinion that when we accepted Marana Shulchan Aruch accepted a whole package deal everything that he wrote which makes a lot of sense but that's that he brings sources that, that follow this In Morocco the accepted opinion and you'll see why was that we accepted only what's written in the Bet Yosef and in the Shulchan Aruch. Not what he wrote in his Teshuvot, if they, if they, if they contradict. There's one place in the Sefer, Vayomer Yitzchak, Rabbi Yitzchak ben Walid, where he has a contradiction. In one place he writes, we follow in the Bet Yosef. In another place he writes, we, we follow everything. And it could be, the reason why in the other place we follow everything is because he was saying, when, when it doesn't contradict what's written in Bet Yosef, but when there's a contradiction, we only follow the Bet Yosef and the Shulchan Aruch. <coughs> So if that's the case, if that's the case, um, that the, the, the reason, the reason it seems to be that we followed only Bet Yosef and what I'm telling you is not one opinion. This is written in thousands of recorded piske dinim from the Moroccan bate dinim throughout the generations. That it was known to them. They accepted only what's written in Bet Yosef and they didn't follow, uh, tangential opinions that it could have been written here or there. They wanted to give a simple, clear way how to be posek alacha. Which leads us to the second rule. You weren't allowed to say, kimli, negedat marana shulchan aruch. Kimli means that if you're in, involved in a monetary dispute with someone, and he has another opinion against the shulchan aruch, so he can't say, well, I have the money by me, so you want to extract money from me? So who says, I have an opinion like me? Well, if the Shulchan Aruch says not like you, he's too authoritative that you can't do that. When there's two opinions that are not Shulchan Aruch, and you have money by you, so if you're, say, if you're saying Kimli, so you could keep the money in your jurisdiction. But when there's, a, uh, when there's Shulchan Aruch involved, they were so authoritative, you couldn't even say that. The third rule is that we don't say that if Marana Shulchan Aruch would have seen something, he would have went back. And this is not written by all the Moroccan Chachamim, but some of them, and it seems to make a lot of sense, because, once again, if you do that, Halacha never has an end. You say, oh, he could have seen this, he could have, then he could have seen something else that would have made him retract in the first place. In Adavar Sof, when Chachamim gave us these rulings to follow the Bet Yosef et Shulchan Aruch, it was in order to give us a clear path how to follow, not to confuse us. So what's more confusing than saying, this is the halacha, and then five years later somebody's going to say, but you know, I found a source that if he would have seen this, he would have went back. Very hard to say that. So, Chachamim, we, we, don't, we don't follow saying, Ilu Ayaro would have said that. The fourth rule is that where the Bet Yosef and Shulchan Aruch don't express an opinion, 
we follow the Ramah. This is where some say, oh, Moroccans follow the Ramah. So, they, they don't really know what they're saying. They, they understand that to say against the Shulchan Aruch, but the opposite is true. Follow the Shulchan Aruch very strong. But where the Shulchan Aruch didn't express an opinion, the Ramah, the Ramah is stronger than most poskim. By the Ashkenazim, it's not that way. It's a, it's an all-out war. Magen Avram against the Taz, against the Ramah, sometimes will they'll be posek against the Ramah. So we follow the Ramah in a way more than the Ashkenazim. And it's not, uh, somebody recently sent me a, a whole Ma'amar that he wrote on this. And he brought a lot of sources that it wasn't only in Morocco. It was in Syria as well. It was in, in Tunisia. It was in many other Sephardic countries. That if the Shulchan Aruch doesn't express an opinion, the Ramah is the heavyweight. The Ramah is the heavyweight. What happens if the Ramah says something and the Shulchan Aruch doesn't, but in Bet Yosef he says something? It doesn't, nobody really writes clear on this. My opinion and the opinion of my friend, uh, Rabbi Peretz, is that we probably would follow the Bet Yosef. Probably follow the Bet Yosef. It's, if it's not explicit in the Bet Yosef, then it's a little bit of a fight. But, but really, we follow the Bet Yosef much more. But when the Bet Yosef doesn't express his opinion, we'll follow the, the Ramah. Fifth opinion, the fifth rule, and this is a very important rule, is that this is where there's a big difference between the common, uh, Halakha from Edut Mizrach, that's commonly known, and even some Sephardic halakha nowadays, as opposed to the original Moroccan psak, is that we do not commonly say Safek brachot leakel against the Shulchan Aruch. Safek brachot leakel means that when you have a doubt whether to make a beracha or not to make a beracha, when you don't know whether to make a blessing on something, so since the name of Hashem is such an important uh, reverence you have to have for it, so when you have a safek, when you have a doubt, and you don't know whether to say it, you say safek brachot lakel. And even if the shulchan aruch says to say some to say this bracha, we say sabal safek brachot lakel. And true, this klal is very difficult to understand because we follow the shulchan aruch in ilchot shabbat, where the death penalty is 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 evoked as a punishment, or or anything to do with <coughs> marriage, that the child could be a mamzer, we follow Shulchan Aruch. Well, not always, actually. There's Erva, I don't want to get into that. There's in Hilchot Nida, which is Karet, we follow Maran Shulchan Aruch, but, but all of a sudden, by Hilchot Barachot, we, we, we forget about it. Hilchot Shabbat, we follow Maran, which is a Deoraita as well, and it's Isur Karet, and we're not going to follow Maran by Brachot. So, there were many Sephardic opinions that say we don't say Safek Brachot Lakel against the Shulchan Aruch. And it seems to be this was the original Moroccan Psak. I'll tell you a few quick proofs to this because this is something new that people don't know, but it's, it's something, uh, something important uh, to, to recognize. In the Siman Chet, Shulchan Aruch in Ilchot Tzitzit writes that if a person, um, a person has his Talit and he takes off his Talit, to go to uh, use the facilities or whatever else, and he, he comes back and he puts on the talit, he has to make a new bracha. Even if he had in mind that he was going to put it back on. And even if he, even if he has his talit katan still on. Bet Yosef, Shulchan Aruch, categorically says he makes a bracha. The, the, uh, as a matter of fact, I have a friend who grew up in Casablanca, he says, yeah, that's how they taught us our whole life. You go into the bathroom, you, you, put a, you, you make a new bracha. 
So, so uh, the the I, I heard in, in in somebody told me in Gibraltar also that's how they thought something similar to this. Now, the Rabbi Rafael Berdugo, one of the great Chachamim of Meknes in the 1800s, writes. Of course, we follow Maran Shulchan Aruch over here. Similarly, by somebody whose talit fell, then you don't have any thing in mind to put the talit back on. Shulchan Aruch says you have to make a new brach. If your talit fell, you pick it up. The Kafachaim says, Safeg brachot leakel, because there's one opinion not even brought in the Shulchan Aruch, not even brought in the Ramah, Safeg brachot leakel. But Maran doesn't say this. Betoved, one of the great Sidurim, says to make a bracha. So again, the Sephardic Acharonim over here say you have to make uh, uh, you have to make a new bracha if it fell. And indeed, I think uh, some later Sephardic poskim go like this as well. But many others will tell you, no, Safeg Brachot Lakel. In Morocco, we followed the rule that we don't say Safeg Brachot Lakel against the Shulchan Aruch. And let me tell you the most explicit source. There's a halacha, if you sleep with your talit and you wake up in the morning, you don't make a new bracha, but Maran says to make a bracha. And there was a, a, a sefer called the Divrei Yosef, Rabbi Yosef Berdugo, from Meknes as well. And Rabbi Yosef Berdugo says in, in Shilot Tushavot Siman Bet, Yesh Nishon, why don't we make a bracha when we go to sleep with the talit? And if you're going to tell me, because we say Safek Brachot Le'akil against the Shukhan Aruch, it is known that we don't say Safek Brachot Le'akil against Shukhan Aruch. I was involved recently with the Sephardic Sidur of Art Scroll, and they have over there the bracha for what ladies say in the morning, instead of saying, instead of saying, Shilasani Isha, right? In LA, it's a complicated how to say that bracha, anyways. But as I'm saying, instead of saying Shelo Asani Isha, the women say Baruch Hashem Elokeinu Melech Haolam Sheasani Kirtzono. Now, most Sephardic sidurim that you'll pick up, as well as sidurim from Edot Hamizrach, they say to say this bracha without the name of Hashem, to say Baruch Ata. For women to say she'asani kirtzono. Now, how does Moroccan halacha follow here? There is very hard to say what the minhag was. Rabbi Shalom Misas once told me that you can't really decide what's a minhag by ladies. A lot of ladies didn't even know how to read Hebrew, and uh, and it was it was something that wasn't very uh, we'll call it controlled or organized to be able to. Uh, establish a minhag. To establish a minhag is something very important. It has to have basis that the Chachamim wrote about or knew about. It doesn't happen just like that. Just because you saw something in your Bet Knesset, that's a minhag, that's a minhag. You know, there's once a Bet Knesset by Berich Shemeh, everybody would give their back to the Hechal and say Berich Shemeh. It was a guy that came to Bet Knesset, what is this? So he says, that's our minhag. He looked into it, it's because in the previous synagogue, they had Berich Shemeh in the back wall, so everybody would turn around and they would say Berich Shemeh. So, you know, obviously, every minhag that you see, you have to know where it comes from, right? So here, how do we follow? So in the sources, in Siman Memvav of the Shulchan Aruch, the Shulchan Aruch, the Tur, their opinion is that women make the bracha of Shia'asad Yikitsuno with the Shem Hashem, Shem Umalchut. When I was in, uh, when I was in the city of Fez around, around, uh, I'll say, uh, five years ago, I, um, I had uh, connections 
in, in one of the in one of the uh, synagogues where my grandfather used to pray. Ah, voilà, Sylviane, she's here, Sylviane? No, it's here. Oh, no. Ah, ouais, c'est Okay, so, so my, my cousin, uh, she still lives there. One of the last pioneering Jews still there. So, her husband, Alava Shalom, uh, was able to get me four or five old Sidurim that were in the Bet Knesset. I'm telling you, old Sidurim from the city of Fez that didn't have like a, a cover at the beginning and it was like it was at least 100 or 200 years old it was printed and all of those sidurim it wrote Baruch Hashem it didn't take out the name of Hashem the Tvirat HaChodesh in the earlier editions doesn't take out the name of Hashem the one who says to take out the name of Hashem is the Chida Chida Rav Chaim Yosef David Azulai although it was one of the greatest Hachamim that the Sfaradim ever had, that was not the general psak uh, in Morocco. Because the Chida focused much more on Minage Eretz Yisrael. He, his, his, uh, his father was from Morocco. His mother actually was Ashkenazi. And, and he, uh, and, and he uh, <coughs> visited Morocco. Definitely many places he visited. He's a diary. And he was one of the most prolific Talmidi Chachamim and, and, and writers. But in Psaq Alakha, in Morocco, I'll tell you some of the Sfarim that we followed. We followed Sfarim that explained what's written in the Shulchan Aruch. The Sefer Bet Yehuda of Yehuda Ayash, one of the great Algerian rabbis, quoted in the Mishnah Biruda thousands of times. Rabbi Kiveigra quotes him. All the great Acharonim quote Rabbi Yehuda Ayash. Learned in the Yeshiva in Fez and then went to Algeria. And that's where he became the, the, he was the great rabbi, originally from there. That sefer explains a lot the opinion of Marana Shulchan Aruch. That's a sefer we follow like. The Ma'amar Mordechai, one of the great Turkish Acharonim, also explains the opinion of Marana Shulchan Aruch a lot. That's a sefer that'll be closer to Moroccan Psak. The Betoved, more or less, depends where, is a, is a sidur that was used as a lot of piski alachot. That's the, more or less, the gist of how we fall in Morocco. So, Safeq Barachot Le'akel was written in the later Acharonim by Morocco, like Rabbi Baruch Toledano, Rabbi Shalom Misas sometimes. But the early Kadmonim did not write it as much. And it seems to be that the early Kadmonim adopted that we don't say Safeq Barachot Le'akel necessarily. In some cases, you have to ask the rabbi when, when not. But for the most part, you can't just, uh, you can't just say, oh, it's like a, a card. It's like a, it's like a get out of jail free card. It doesn't work that way. Shulchan Aruch says to make a bracha when you have a child who was born. So you make a, you make a bracha when the child was born. That's how they did it. They, they, there's, the people were more confident to make a bracha when it was warranted. You have to know when not. But that's more or less the, uh, the gist of it. So the bracha shasadikirtsono, I insisted with Art Scroll that it should say that for Moroccans, we, uh, we say the bracha. Another uh, Syrian rabbi put up a very uh, big fight against it. It can't be, it's not true, and this. I went back and forth with him. I showed him many sources. I said, some sources still today, they write, yes, our minhag was that women say the bracha, with the name of Hashem. That's a, even if it's not a minhag necessarily, but that's the logic, according to Shulchan Aruch. One of the great rabbanim that I, uh, I had a merit to know, his name was Rebel Yashiv. Rabbi Yosef Shalom El Yashiv, by my son over here is named after him. And, 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 and Rabbi Yashiv once told me a rule 
that is very simple. Very simple. If you don't know your minhag, you don't have to go try looking for it. You follow Shulchan Aruch, and that's it. That will make simplify things. So we know whatever our minhag, we follow our minhag, which is usually the Shulchan Aruch. And when you don't know, so you say, uh, that, that's our halakha. As a matter of fact, the Moroccan psak follows Marana Shulchan Aruch probably more than any other uh, edah in Kalal Yisrael. There is a, a letter in the back of my sefer that I wrote 15 different places that Sfaradim, that, that I'm sorry, Edot HaMizrach who follow Rav Ovadia Yosef and all the more so the Ben Ishchai and others don't follow Maran and the Moroccans we did follow Maran. There are some cases where it's not clear what Maran follows or some halachot we had minhagim that are old neged maran, but that's few. That's few and far, far apart. That's not the general consensus. So I, I don't, I, I don't mind. Maybe we can open up for questions if you have any minhag to ask about. And I'll tell you if this is a minhag that I think is a minhag that I, if I researched it, that is. Otherwise, we have other great rabbanim here. They can help me out. That we have minhagim that have a uh, that that should be followed. Everything is everything is is a source. Everything is has to be learned and understood. Not just like you follow minhag just like that, or you 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 don't follow minhag just like that. You have to ask your rabbanim how to how to, how to conduct yourself. Yeah, and 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 with always tremendous respect towards the previous generations, that you have to understand. In Morocco, was blessed with an inordinate amount of chachamim, thousands and thousands of them, that for generations they made sure to filter out what was the proper halacha. And to and to and and to push out what is uh, what is not the proper halacha, and so we're getting solet nikia. We're getting pure pure flour, something that is purely sifted. And it, with what we have nowadays, uh, we we understand that is coming out of thousands of years of understanding what's the proper halacha. Then then it, it, then it, it comes with much more respect. Let me give you an example. I'll start off the questions. Let me give you an example. <coughs> Has everybody, anybody ever heard of the minhag of people not to say Baruch Baruch Shemo when you're listening to a bracha that you're being acquitted by? There is such an opinion. You've heard of that before. That Baruch Baruch Shemo. told you, eh, don't say that. You ever heard of that before? Kiddush. Okay. Now, I, I, any Moroccan chachamim that I saw growing up in my parents and everybody else's house, we all answered Baruch Baruch Shemo. So either they're wrong, or I come from monkeys. I don't know. You tell me. So let me give you the background. Let me give you the background, just so you understand. This is a just a, a simple alacha. There could be difference of opinions in alacha, but this is how we followed. I just want to show you what we followed is not coming out of the boondocks. Let me explain to you. It's written in the Shulchan Aruch Siman Kuf Chav Dalid. That's the halachot of. Chazarat Hashatz. Right? Notice. Chazarat Hashatz. Alkol beracha u beracha. On any bracha that you hear, you should answer Baruchu u Baruch Shemo. The tour brings this down in the name of his father, the Rosh. And Shulchan Aruch brings it down. Nobody argues on this. Not the Ramah. Nobody argues. Now, there was a great Chacham in the earlier generations called Rabbi Mesod Rakach. He wrote a sefer on the Rambam, Maaser Okech. All the great yeshivot have it. Maaser Okech. He writes there, in Ilchot Tefila, that, why did the Shulchan Aruch write this halacha in Ilchot Chazarat Hashatz? What's the purpose? 
Why did Chachamim institute Chazarat Hashatz? Why did we institute Chazarat Hashatz? That you acquit somebody who doesn't know. Nowadays, Baruch Hashem, most of us know how to pray, so we, we, we don't need the Chazan to acquit us. There's other reasons why we do Chazarat Hashatz, Al Pikabala, whatever else, but, but we, we, really, if I come to Bet Knesset and I, and I don't know how to pray, I'm a, you know, I'm a new Balteshuva, or I, or I uh, just, you know, I'm not sure. So the Chazan, the Chazan acquits me. That case is also written in Simon Kufchav Dalid. Shukhanah was talking about Chazan Dashatz, where the original Takana was to acquit people. And even if you're not being acquitted, you also say Chazan Dashatz. On that, the Shulchan Aruch says, to answer Baruch Baruch Shemu. This is a proof that doesn't have any, any question to it. Raya Teshuva. Shukhanah was bringing this halacha here, that means you unequivocally answer Baruch Baruch Shemu on every single Beracha. The one who questioned this was a Chacham called Rabbi Shemuel Abuhab, who was in the time of, of the Maser Okeach. He said, maybe, maybe the Rosh was only talking about on Brachot that you're being, uh, that you're not being acquitted. But Brachot that you're being acquitted, maybe it's a Hefsek. Wasn't sure about it. He says, it's a Hefsek. Birkei Yosef brings him down, Chida, and he says, but those who answer Baruch Hashemot have what to rely on. Maser Okeach says more than that. He says, in the Bet Knesset of the Dvar Shemuel, he says, I know the Bet Knesset of the Dvar Shemuel. They didn't even follow his ruling. They kept on answering Baruch Hu Baruch Shemot. And, 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 and he writes four reasons that you should answer. Number one, he says, you're listening to the name of Hashem. <clears throat> How could you not answer Baruch Hu Baruch Shemot? Number two, is that, is that, is that if you're not going to answer now, you're going to end up never answering even when you should be acquitted. Once Rabbi Shalom Yisas was in Yeshivat Urachaim and they gave him to make a bracha on, uh, on, on Brit Milah, on the course of Brit Milah, he said, Baruch Hashem, and nobody answered Baruch Hashem. He, he got frustrated. He said, well, I'm not acquitting you over here. Even according to you, you should be answering. What happened? He just got really upset. I don't know what happened over there. He was very... Uh, uh, but, um, like now, nobody answered Baruch Hashem on anything. So it got forgotten. A whole halacha about answering the name of Hashem got forgotten. And according, uh, and so, so that's the second reason. The third reason, he says, Al-Pikabala, there's important reasons. And fourth reason, I forget it. But he writes, he writes over there the importance of answering Baruch Hashem. Babasali, I said over a story yesterday that Rav Yechila Buchatzera from Ramle, when he was a Bachur, once brought Bachurim over to eat by Babasali's house. And the Bachurim didn't answer Baruch Hashem. He looked at them. And he, and, and he asked them, he says, why, why didn't you answer? They said, uh, sick. It was always Rosh Hashiva's whole life. He knew all this, backwards and forwards. So he answered him. He says, my grandfather, Rabbi Yaakov he didn't know all of what you know, and he still answered, Baruch Baruch Shemu, I don't want you eating by my table tomorrow. He, he, he literally, he, he didn't want them. No, because by him, it's an embarrassment to the name of Hashem. When he said the name of the Babasal said the name of Hashem Yashem in front of you. The the Rav Chaim Vital writes the importance of Baruch Hu Baruch Shemu, how according to Kabbalah, there's all these he saw all of this in front of him. So the people just not answering, just like hey, sick. Now what happened? Why have sick? Because the Magin Avram says uh, says in this regard not to answer uh, uh, on certain brachot and the Dagul Mirvava, the Nodabiuda, one of the great Ashkenazi Achronim says Brachot that you're being acquitted by, you shouldn't answer. Mishtaburura writes this as well. So Rav Ovadia Yosef writes, he knows all these sources, but he says we follow Mishtaburura. But 
it's it's actually if you don't have a minhag and you want to be machmir like mishtabura, I don't know if that's called being machmir because you're losing out an answer baruch hu shemo. But okay, if if somebody doesn't have a minhag, I understand. The, the Rav Chaim Palaji was uh, was uh, uh, was uh, his grandfather was the Chikre Lev, one of the greatest Sephardic rabbanim from Turkey. He writes, my whole life I grew up on the on the lap of the of my of uh, the Chikre Lev. On my grandfather, and he always answered Baruch Baruch Shimon every single bracha. The, the 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 Tunisians, most Sephardic countries, the in the Persia as well, they all answered Baruch Shimon every single bracha. That was the universal minag for generations. And now you see in the sources why. So if somebody wants to come along and say, "Don't answer." If you want to keep for yourself, you want to say, "Listen, my parents didn't know what they're talking about. My grandparents, the great Rabbanim, didn't know, and I want to be machmir." Or I follow one opinion fully and I don't want to be bothered with what happened. Okay, so keep that to yourself. But somebody who, 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 follows, um, who, who, who follows the traditions that's based on very deep-rooted sources, I don't think you have a right to tell them something. You don't have a right to tell them something like that. that, that I'm just telling you what those, these, are, these are the sources. You don't have to believe me. You could look them up yourself. Look at them yourself. So that's another halakha. So any other halakha questions people have? Yes. <clears throat> when women light, you're saying. So the Ramah doesn't, uh, the, the Ramah talks about it, but the Shulchan Aruch doesn't talk about this. The Shulchan doesn't talk about it. The Shulchan Aruch says like this, the Rambam writes, when you make a bracha of Adakat Nerot Shabbat, you make a bracha and then you light. The Shulchan Aruch many times brings the language of the Rambam, over here he doesn't. He writes an ambiguous language called, Keshe Yadlik Yevarech. So, <clears throat> this is actually an interesting halacha because the universal custom by Sfaradim and by Ashkenazim, I'm talking about for generations, was that women light and then they make a bracha. Why? Why every bracha we make beforehand? Why would we light and then make a bracha over here? So, in halacha, there are different calculations, there are different opinions. So one opinion called the Bahag says that when a person makes a bracha Shabbat, so they're accepting Shabbat, a woman especially, not a man. Man accepts Shabbat in Bet Kneset. So a man when he lights, could be he should make the bracha before. But a woman, when she is lighting, she is she is not accepting Shabbat with uh, she's accepting Shabbat with her bracha. And with lighting. So how could she light after she makes a bracha? That's what the Bahag uh, uh, talks about. There's a lot of different you know, controversies. I'm not going to get into all of the different detailed sources on this. But because of that, we have an original solution. There is a halacha that as long as you're involved in the action, you could still make a bracha. For example, if your mezuzah fell, and you put back your mezuzah, you should have made a new bracha. Like when your talit fell. What's the halach if you forgot to make a bracha? Can you still make a bracha on the mezuzah? Some poskim say you could. You know who says you could? Rav Ovadia Yosef says you could. Even though you put up the mezuzah and it's after the action, you could still do it. You could or you have to? Uh, you have to. You have to. So he says you have to. Now, others argue that's the truth. But, but he says you could. You could, or you should. Okay. 
So that's after you already did the action. So one of the great students of Rav Yosef asked him, why do you say by mezuzah, you can make a bracha dakat nerot, you can't. Rav didn't want to answer him. Rav Yosef knew that the custom was to make a bracha after, but he writes in Yabi Omer, on the bottom, he writes, a gadol ador has the right to change a minhag. And he wanted to change the minhag. That's why he spoke so forcefully about this, at one of his favorite subjects. Because he wanted to change the custom to follow the Rambam, and in his opinion, the Shulchan Aruch. Others, like Rabbi Zian Abishal, Rabbi Shalom Misas, debate that that's the opinion of the Shulchan Aruch. Shulchan Aruch writes, Kishi Adliki Varech. So, <clears throat> they say that, there is a reason why we're doing this custom. There's a reason. And what's the reason? We want to fulfill the opinion of the Bahag. It's not like there's no reason why we're doing this. So it's a halachic question. Do you opt to do the bracha beforehand and you gain over lasiatan? Or do you get kind of over lasiatan because the woman puts her hands and she's kind of in the same action and we see in other places like mezuzah it works sometimes and you gain the Bahag. When I was when I was younger and I was more uh, I had more chutzpah in me, so I, I had the I had the merit of uh, of living right next to Rav Ovadia Yosef, and being that I was very passionate about Moroccan halacha at the time, as a matter of fact, there was three instances where Rav Ovadia Yosef told me explicitly, "I agree with you, and everyone should follow Moroccan psak," and then I woke up, <laughs> so that didn't work. Yeah. But I, I was I was very busy with it. Even when I went to sleep, I was like uh, I, I fantasized on something like that. That you know maybe he would agree to me at the end. But I wrote him a letter once about hadlakat nerot Shabbat, and I and I wrote to him that the Aruch Hashulchan writes that uh, in French you say au contraire, opposite. That if you make a bracha first and then you light, then there's a bracha levatala. Because how could you say? Shabbat, and then light. It looks like a bracha levatala. You're like, well, you're a scammer. You're saying Shabbat and then you light. So Aruch Hashulchan says it's kibracha levatala to do it before. So you're saying it's a bracha levatala afterwards, but to do it beforehand. So I wrote this Aruch Hashulchan in a letter, and I gave it to his chavruta to read to him. Chavruta was a friend of mine, and it didn't go over so well. <laughs> I said, so what happened? He says, I'll tell you the truth, I read half of the letter. And before I got to it, there was another piece in the letter that I was talking about, Kabbalat Piskemaran, and his blood pressure went up too high. They had to stop right away. So I, I didn't get really any answer on that, but I, uh, I definitely am a very, I'm very, um, um, uh, I'm very passionate about the fact that it's a calculation. Rav Ovadia Yosef, in his, in his tremendous uh, breadth of knowledge, and tremendous leadership that without him, where would the Sfaradim be, be till today? A tremendous leadership. But Rav Yosef also appreciated that there should be a debate in Halacha which keeps Halacha alive. His best friend was Rabbi Shalom Mises, who was his biggest opponent in Halacha. And they, they loved each other. So there's nothing wrong with uh, saying different opinions as long as it's done in a respectful form. And, 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 and what, what Rav Yosef he, he, he brought many opinions to change the halakha, 
but he also recognized that the original custom was by, by Sephardic and Ashkenazi customs, besides in Taiman and maybe one place in Iraq, that, that, that they, they did the bracha afterwards because they wanted to gain for them throughout the generations, the Chachamim that saw this and wrote about this, like the Chida and the Ben Ishchai and others, felt that the calculation of following the Bahag supersedes the calculation of Over Lasiatan because there's many answers to Over Lasiatan. That that's the short answer of it of a very long subject. Yeah. Any, the right or the Rabbanan. Because we, we hold a very authoritative psaq of the Shulchan Aruch. Shulchan Aruch by us was the golden rule. And I just wanted to cap it off. Maybe I didn't emphasize this. The reason why we didn't say Savir against the Shulchan Aruch is the same reason why we follow only Bet Yosef Shulchan Aruch and why we follow the Ramah whenever the Shulchan doesn't express an opinion. And when somebody else says something later, we don't say Ilu Ayaru'e. Because we wanted to give a clear path. How to follow Allah. Not to mix people up. You say you follow this, and Safiq Barakhot Lakel this, and then you follow Afghan Turkhel here, and Ilu Raya Maran here. We have Sfarim in front of me, Bet Yosef, Shulchan Aruch, Ramah. Very simple, very easy, Psak, how to go by. They are telling me, oh, we don't go after easy. Okay, in Morocco they wanted to make it easy. Nahat Ruach. That's it. That way you could go to the beach on Sundays. Yes. That's complicated. That's the answer I would give also, and I'll tell you why. I asked this question to Rabbi Shalom Misas and Rabbi Yeshua Maman. They both told me, and just to clarify the question, there are some, especially from the south of Morocco, that when they, they say, they dip the salt three times and they say, and then they eat the bread. Now, that's our, that's really a bona fide hefsek, because you're not supposed to say anything before, between the bracha of Amotzi or not. So, those in the cities, like the main halachic cities, like, uh, Fez, Meknes, these places, they didn't hear of this minhag. They didn't do this minhag at all, and hence they were very opposed. Rabbi Yeshua Man, Shalom, it says they told me not that way. There was one Rav called Rabbi Moshe Malka. He was a Dayan in Casablanca, previous generation. Some, some of you may not have known him. And he writes in the Teshuvah to defend this minhag. And Rabbi Michael Peretz from uh, Mexico, he has a whole kuntras on, on this minhag, to defend this minhag, on Baruch Baruch Shibu. And he says something very logical. He says like this, that uh, there's, a, there's a set in the tour, the tour brings from Rabbeinu Amram, the by Havdalah, listen to this. You could say, Baruch Hashem, you finish Havdalah. Now, before you drink, it's written in the tour. Siman Reish Sadi Gimel, I think. Look at her over there. You wouldn't believe it. After you say, you have like three pages of bakashot, of, of hashba'ot. Mashbi'ani malach this, simbatohu mazal tov, yiten lecha sheveve. A whole nusach. Before you drink the wine. What's going on here? 
and also by the birkat of a gefen, by the by the by by, by the brit milah, put a prayer gefen, and then elokenu kedinu kaim b'tayeled azeh. You're not supposed to. You don't drink the wine. Some say you should taste it a little bit, but really in halacha the source is you don't drink the wine. Why is it not ev sick? So it seems to be like this. This is what Rabbi Peret suggests that when something is part and parcel of your nusach, it's not a random thing that's coming. You always say it this way. These Rishonim didn't understand it to be a hefsek. Could be by Hashem Elech is that way also. It's not worse than the, what Rav Amram Gaon writes. But, in truth, if you don't have a minhag, you shouldn't do it. And if you had a minhag, you shouldn't say anything. I think that's, a, that's an, accurate, uh, an accurate thing. I, I don't know if there's other rabbis over here that want to weigh in on this. Rabbi Toledano, you have what to say on Hashem Melech? And he did it. Oh boy. Okay, so there you go. And what do you do, Rabbi? You don't do it, huh? Yeah. All right, well. It's a new concept. It's a new concept. It's a new concept. I know he goes a lot by it. I know he goes. I know. I know where, where, I know, but Rabbi, Rafa, Rabbi Yosef Berdugo is a bigger Mande Amar. He was earlier. And Rabbi Rafael Berdugo is bigger. Is bigger. So, okay. So I'd love, I'd love to debate it in sources. I'd love to debate it in sources. But I have a lot of proofs. A lot, a lot of proofs. I have a lot of proofs. Okay, uh, any, any other questions? On what? Oh, thunder. Yeah. So Rabbi Shalom Misas, I asked him once about this. And Rabbi Shalom Misas says that the minhag in Morocco was like the opinion of the Ramban, uh, that you don't say it with Shemu Malchut. But in my Sefer, Maganavod, I discussed that the main reason is, is because, because you might have missed it. There's different calculations. But if a person really is on time and he could do it, the poskim say you could make the bracha. And Rafafad Yosef also says that nowadays if you know, if you hear it and you want to say the bracha, you're allowed to. You're allowed to say, you're allowed to say the bracha. Yeah. What about the minhag of saying berachot before Kiddush on Shabbat? Yeah, that's, that's a big, you know, it's interesting. There are some people that they have a few brachot and they don't need a kezait. And some people have a whole meal, you know, like... The whole, you know, whole fish for an hour or something like that. So, what do you mean? No, I'm talking about It's a wonderful minag because you you get you get the mea brachot. You get mea brachot, and that was the custom. Aperitif, the Shlakadosh writes, in order to get a mea brachot, you try to do as many uh, many brachot as you can. Yeah, some people say you can eat more than a kezayit. Some there are some, if you eat more than a kezayit, and that's your minhag. Some say you have what to rely on that it's considered as 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 part of the meal. It's a if you don't have such a custom of eat more than a kezayit, eat less than a kezayit. Pretty hard when you're having salty things before the meal or something to stop. But especially according to Chazonish, a kezayit is uh, this small. I don't know what to say. It's it's a debate. Yeah. Any other minagim? That's it. Yes. Beautiful, beautiful example. So Marana Shulchan Aruch writes that we don't say Shemu Malchut by Noten Layef Koach. That was the original custom, probably in most of Morocco, but Miknes kept it till the end, not to say Noten Layef Koach. So those from Miknes originally 
The rest of Morocco, I didn't get into the whole subject of Kabbalah, but the rest of Morocco transitioned over generations that they do say, which was a lot of Kabbalah min Hagim. It's interesting. Some of them, they evolved over time, and at the end, we do say, or we do say, or we do say, Minagim Alpi, Alpi, Alpi Kabbalah, the Arizal, much less about the later sources from the Arizal. And, and in this particular case, that's what happened. In most cities, they say, and that's what we do. And those who have the original custom that we don't say Shem they don't, because they're coming, going according to the opinion of the original Shulchan Aruch opinion. Right. So he's a Posek, Halakha Moroccan, and we have, I think, the only... Lokai Nishama, not Lokai Nisor, yeah. And Lokai Nishama, and then, but in all the Moroccans you read, we have the extra words. Right, these are, these are Nuschaot. Nuschaot is very, very hard to determine what's the proper Minhag in a Nusach or not, because uh, 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 that was Rabbi Baruch, right? He goes with that, Moshe Kolabriyot, a little more, and he, 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 uh, he, he, um, he felt that this was his original Nusach. And there's others who followed Tefillat HaChodesh. They, they, they don't go with that. I mean, they're, that's debatable. Nusachot, we're never going to finish. This one has that Nusach, that Nusach. It's, uh, it's not really clear how to be, how to determine what's a Minhag based on a Nusach. Very, uh, very dangerous subject we're getting into on that. All right, Chazaku Baruch Rabotai. Thank you for listening.